0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. We welcome you again to Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. Today is a QA and a broadcast, and we're answering a question about eschatology. What scriptural evidence exists for believing there will be a 30- to 60-day interlude between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation period? You stay tuned for that, and just let me mention our website, faithalone.org faithalone.org we want you to go there and see all the resources that are available to you some are free some have a small cost to them and it's on our website that you're going to find out about our national conference coming up in may may of 2023 the dates are the 22nd through the 25th it's a great time we want you to plan on being there some of the best teaching that you could ever hear with a free grace focus many teachers involved not just bob and ken and bring your children. There is a VBS for kids during those days and all kinds of recreational activities at Camp Copus, right close to our Denton, Texas headquarters. Find out more about it. Early bird registration is still in play until the end of this month, January 2023. And first timers get the registration fee waived. How about that? The website again is faithalone.org. Now it's time for today's discussion, and here are the discussion leaders.
1: Well, Ken, we're uh, back in business. You got any questions for us today?
2: Yeah, I got a few questions here. This is from Tracy, and I'm going to direct this to you because Tracy specifically mentioned you. You're on the hot seat here. Okay. You did a blog on September 22nd, and in that blog you referenced a period of time between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. 30 to 60 days. And Tracy, I don't know if that's a man or a woman, wants to know where in Scripture do you find that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Tracy. The answer is there is no verse in Scripture that says that. Basically, where I came up with that is I was at a meeting of Bible scholars called the Pre-Trib Study Group, which I'm a member of. And it's a bunch of classic dispensationalists who believe that the rapture will occur before the seven-year tribulation period. At that meeting, I had always thought that the rapture initiated the tribulation. But I hadn't really thought it through, because according to Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27, Daniel's 70th seven, his 70th week of seven years— is initiated by the signing of a covenant between Israel and the man of sin, or some people interpret that as between Israel and the ten-nation confederacy. Either way, it's with the signing of a covenant. At this pre-trib study group meeting about 10 or 15 years ago, they suggested that it's extremely unlikely that there could be the signing of this covenant at the same time as the rapture, Because if that were the case, then we would have indications that the rapture was about to occur because we'd hear rumblings about the signing of a covenant, and we would hear about the man of sin and this sort of thing. And so their view was there's going to be a gap. Now, when I said to Tracy that there is no evidence, there is a little bit. As you know, Daniel has a lot to say about the last days. Daniel is a prophetic book, and the last chapter of Daniel is quite remarkable. He even talks about eternal rewards in this section. But then he comes down in verse 11, and he says of Daniel 12, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, that's the midpoint of the tribulation, that's the midpoint of Daniel's 70th seven. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to 1,335 days. Well, a month at this time period was considered 30 days.
2: Yeah, they didn't have leap year and everything. There were 12, 30-day months.
1: So three and a half years times 360 is 1,000 260. Right. So why is it that Daniel speaks of 1290 and what is this 1335?
2: Yeah, it's 45 more days there. Right.
1: right. And right. the first one is 30 days more. So it's ultimately 75 days more. What is that? Well, what most dispensationalists suggest is that between the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium, there will be certain judgments taking place. At the very least, the judgment of the sheep and the goats, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one to 46, the judgment seat of Christ may occur during this time as well.
2: And then you also have the judgment of Old Testament believers, right?
1: We're not told when they're right. judged, but it's probably during this time. The fact that there's a 30 to 75 day gap between the ending of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium may well suggest there's similar gap before the tribulation that is between the rapture and the tribulation that leads to what people call symmetry. So there's a gap before and after the tribulation.
2: I remember hearing this a while back, that there may be a gap, too, for cleaning up after the tribulation period. Because think of all the corpses and, and everything else that's going to be—just think of of war today, right. what it looks like.
1: Well, I think there's references in Ezekiel that suggest I think it's going to take years into the millennium. Right. So, yeah, some of this could be cleanup. But in answer to Tracy's question, we really don't know. It's just my suggestion. I think it's right. I think there's probably a gap between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. Also, here's another advantage to a gap. How is it that the two witnesses have come to faith in Christ, right? You've got two witnesses in Revelation. They lead 144,000 Jews to faith in Christ who become Jewish evangelists, right? Right. So there's got to be a gap, or
2: they have to come to faith, like, immediately when the rapture occurs, right? Because, Pretty much. Because it's, they prophesy for 1,260 days.
1: Right, and they die at the midpoint, and then they're raised three days later. Now, it is possible—one other theory I have is this could be the two people who never died, Enoch and Elijah. That's a possibility, and they're already believers, Right. But the other possibility is during this gap of 30 to 60 days or 75 days, however many days it is, maybe the Lord appears to two Jews like he did to Saul on the road to Damascus and leads them to faith in himself, and then they in turn lead others. Or even they just come to faith by studying the scriptures, right? It's possible, or it's possible that someone evangelized them, And they were about to come to faith before the rapture occurs. The rapture occurs, and they come to faith seconds later or days later. A long answer, Tracy, to a simple question.
2: Okay. Got another question from a listener, and he's struggling with sanctification. And he says, I believe in Jesus for eternal life. However, my life as a Christian since the beginning resembles the prodigal son. And he says he has a fight, a struggle within himself. Part of him wants to follow the Lord and delight in what he tells him to do. But in his words, a larger part wants to sin and take pleasure in the world. Why do you think this is so?
1: Well, that's a good question. And my answer would be he has not yet experienced enough of the painful consequences of sin. The author of Hebrews talks about the passing pleasures of sin. He's still going through that phase. At some point, he's going to recognize, like the prodigal, that he's in spiritual famine and that nobody's giving him anything. And the things were a whole lot better off when he was in fellowship with the Father as opposed to when he's in spiritual far country.
2: And don't you think, too, that in a lot of cases like this, he hasn't been taught well?
1: That's uh, exactly right. You know, I
2: haven't at bottom, but I need to know, well, all Christians, why should I live a godly life if I know I have eternal life? Because I'm still in the flesh, right. and I'm still going to want to do those things. So I need to know why should I struggle against that? What is the wisdom of following the Lord?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, if you look at the wisdom literature in Scripture, like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Matthew five through seven, the epistle of James, those are all wisdom literature. And they all say that the way of righteousness is the way of joy. It's the way of life. It's the way of peace. And the way of wickedness is the way of death. It's the way of suffering. And so the question is, which would you like? And then throw in rewards, right? If
2: I want to live for the world, to use his words. I need to understand there's a very heavy price to pay for that. Not just in this world, but in the world to come.
1: Both. In other words, if we obey God now, he blesses us now, and he will bless us in the life to come. On the other hand, if we disobey him now, we're going to experience curses from him now, and at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to have a lessening of rewards. And so I think the problem he has is Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. He is being conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He has not been transformed by the renewing of his mind. Once he sees that getting drunk, and once he sees that immorality is bad for him, and once he sees that lying and cheating and stealing is bad for him, then God is going to renew his mind and transform his behavior. It's not going to be then he's going to go, you know what, I'm going to AA, or I'm going to Sex Addicts Anonymous or something. Maybe he will, but the point is, Scripture is what changes our lives. And remember, God wants him to live righteously,
2: so he should go to him and ask him for this wisdom, ask him for this understanding through his word.
1: Well, we know it's his will that we live godly lives and that we turn from wickedness. So if we pray about that, that's something he's going to answer.
2: And it seems like he's wanting to do that.
1: Yeah. Now, I would also suggest to him that it's vitally important he gets into a solid Bible teaching church, right? Because without a solid Bible teaching church, he lacks what Hebrews 10 talks about. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. And
2: by the way, in that context, it's talking about stimulating one another to good works.
1: And that's done in the local church. So he needs to be around other people that are stimulating him, encouraging him. It says, as we see the day approaching. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Absolutely. Well, good question. I hope that helps you because until a believer matures to the point where they recognize that the way of the world is bad for us and the way of God is good for us, then they're You're not going
2: to be motivated. That's certainly... (laughs) And they're going to live like baby Christians. Sure. And remember always to keep keep grace in in focus. focus.
0: Ken Yates' brand new book about his daughter, entitled Elizabeth, featured here earlier this month, is available now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through January 31st, 2023, when you use the code word podcast. That's faithalone.org. Would you be interested in some free ebooks on topics you hear on this program? Well, if you are, you need to come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On the site, we've got all kinds of free materials, but one of our popular options is our free ebooks on a range of subjects. They're designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of the faith and Scripture, so come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax-deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. Would you like to have a chat with Dr. Bob or one of the guests here on the program? Let me tell you how to reach out to the team. You can get us on our email address, which is radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And next time on Grace in Focus, we talk about sheep and goats. We will love having you with us. Please be sure to join us. This is the Grace Evangelical Society reminding you to always keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.